If I were to say to you, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, start. <laughs> and you understood what I said. <laughs> you understood what I meant. And it is probably because you grew up in the 80s. <laughs> it was probably because you were a gamer in the 80s. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, B-A, start was actually a cheat code. It was a cheat code that Nintendo had come out with to uh, cheat on some of their uh, video games that they had. And one in particular that this code worked for was a game called Contra. And Contra was a war game. It was our call of duty back in the day, if you would call it that. But it was a war game, and if you were to type in up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, B-A, start, at the beginning of that game coming on, rather than starting with three lives, you started with 30 lives. Okay? You started with 30 lives. You had an opportunity to then finish the game because you had so many lives because of this particular cheat code. In other words, it allowed you to start over without having to start over. <laughs> See, every console came with the reset button, right? So you can reset the game anytime, but if you reset the game, guess what? You started over, but you started from the beginning. Meaning you have to go through all that all over again. Not so with up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, B-A, start. <laughs> With that particular cheat code, you could start over, but you didn't have to start from the beginning. You can start over and pick up right where you died. Right where you left off, you could start again. And I believe we here all like the opportunity to have a reset without having to go back, right? We all would like to have a redo without having to go through the struggle again. Whether that's in a video game or taking a mulligan in golf or, in this particular case, beginning a brand new year. When we begin a brand new year, we know and understand with a new year comes the hope of a new beginning. That's why we like brand new years. That's why we, we look forward to them because no matter how much you messed up in the previous year, no matter how much things were messed up for you in that previous year, going into a brand new year gives you hope to start over, gives you hope to reset, gives you hope to have a brand new beginning. As they say, new year, new you. <laughs> New year, new you. And so that's why we go around making new year resolutions, right? This year is going to be different. This year, I'm going to start all over. I'm going to begin to eat right. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to leave that bad relationship. I'm going to go find that better job. We make these new year resolutions because we're looking forward to starting over, starting fresh, starting anew. But if you're like me and you've ever made New Year resolutions, you know and understand usually those resolutions do not last. Okay? <laughs> I mean, the, the gym will be packed in January. <laughs> you can't find a treadmill in January. <laughs> by, by Valentine's Day, back to business as normal, right? <laughs> New Year resolutions. 
resolutions usually do not last. And the reason why that is because instead of a new year, new you, it's a new year, same you. (laughs) Instead of it being a new year, new you, it has now become a new year, same you. Same you. See, we can decree and declare all we want. about what this year is going to be and what this year is going to hold and what we're going to pursue and what we're going to have. We can decree and declare all we want. But if it's the same you, don't be surprised when you get the same results. (laughs) If you think the same way, you think the same, you act the same, you do the same because you are the same, then why would you expect anything to change? But what if I told you there was a way that you could become brand new? There is a way where you could start over again without having to start over again. And like in a video game, what if I told you you could die and yet live again? (laughs) almost 20 years ago now one of the most tragic attacks that our nation has ever seen of course was 9-11 during 9-11 almost 3,000 people lost their lives okay in that one attack or that day but After that attack, there was some reporting, there was some rumors, there was some maybe conspiracy going on that there are some people who didn't die, but who acted like they did. (laughs) In other words, there were people who were supposed to be at work that day. They were supposed to be in those twin towers, but for whatever reason, they didn't make it to work. Maybe they were sick. Maybe they got held up in traffic. Maybe they were getting coffee. Maybe they were getting breakfast. But for whatever reason, they didn't make it into work that day. But they acted like they did. (laughs) Now, why in the world would they act like they did? Because they wanted to start over. That's exactly right. (laughs) They wanted to start over. They wanted the appearance that they have died. (laughs) Why? So they can get a do-over. So they can get a start over. So if they died, if they pretended as if they went to work and they went down with those uh, buildings and they died in that in that in that attack, then they have an opportunity now to start over. To start again so they can now get a new name. They can now get a new look. (laughs) They can have now a new identity a new residency, a new place that can start all over. Why? Because for all intents and purposes, they died. In 9-11, 2001, they died. And so now, because I died, even though I didn't die, I'm able to be renewed. I'm able to be restored and start all over again because I died. So everything about you could then be new because the old you died. Say that again. (laughs) That means that everything about you could then be new because the old you died. (laughs) Now, no, I am not suggesting 
that you fake your own death, okay? I'm not suggesting that. That's illegal. <laughs> you will be discovered and you will go to jail, okay? <laughs> I'm not suggesting that you fake your own death. <laughs> but I am suggesting something similar this morning. And it is our next installment of our series, Do You See What I See? A message I'm entitling, Brand New You. Part three of our series, Do You See What I See? We're calling it Brand New You. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Paul is going to start this particular chapter with a familiar question. I'm sure we've all had in our lifetime or we've all heard in our lifetime, but it was no different back in his day either. So he's going to address this particular question. He says in Romans 6, 1, this, what shall we say then? Shall we continue not to sin because we're sinners? We're going to fall. We're going to fail. We're going to stumble. We're going to become weak at times and give into our flesh at times. That's not what he's talking about. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That's a difference. There's a difference in continuing to sin and continuing in sin. There's a difference there. And Paul is asking the question, shall we continue in sin? The lifestyle of sin. I've said, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to live my life. No matter what God says, no matter what the word of God says, this is what I'm going to do. And I know God is going to be okay with it. Should that be our approach or response to sin? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What is Paul talking about here? Well, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, you know it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is the only reason you are saved if you are saved. That have anything to do with you. What you did or didn't do, how good you were, had nothing to do with that. Why? Because it is by grace that we have been saved. Grace is a free gift. You don't earn it. You can't pay for it. You don't deserve it. It is simply God graciously giving it to you and you freely receiving it. That is how anybody is saved. Okay? You are saved simply by grace. But this is the question that people come, come up with in their mind. If that is true, if I am saved purely on grace, not because of anything that I have done or haven't done, does that mean that I can continue then in my sin? Does that then mean that I can continue to live the lifestyle that I want, I know is contrary to God, I know is against God's word? Can I continue to do all those things and live in that way for after all, it is by grace I've been saved, not by me. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to take the grace of God and make it a license for sin. Okay, Kind of like James Bond, 007, he had a license to kill. Well, there are a lot of people out there think they have a license to sin <laughs> because of the grace of God. But there are two problems with that. Actually, three, but let me give you two to start off with. Number one... That's not why grace was given to you. 
Grace, the grace of God was not given to you to keep you in your sin. The grace of God was given to you to take you out of your sin that you were in. That's why God's grace was given to you. If you are drowning in the middle of the ocean and a boat comes by and they throw you a lifesaver, you climb in that lifesaver and they begin to pull you back in. You say, no, wait a minute. I want to hang out here for a little while. I say, no, no, no. That's not why we gave you the lifesaver. <laughs> we didn't throw the lifesaver to you so you can hang out in the ocean. So we threw you that to you so you can get out of the ocean that you were in. And in the same way, God is giving you grace not to keep you in the sin that you're in, but to get you out of the sin he found you in. That is why grace has been given to you. Secondly, if we take the grace of God and use it for a license to continue in sin, that means that God has now become an accomplice to our sin. <laughs> God now has become an accomplice to our sinful lifestyle. Because we're using what he has given us to think we can continue in it. So this is what Paul is, is asking. And he gives the main reason, however, in verse 2. When he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, certainly not. <laughs> Heaven forbid. May it never be so. Why? He says, why? How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? He simply asks a question. He says, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, if you are saved, if you are blood-bought, spirit-filled on your way to heaven, it is because you died to sin. <laughs> At least that was what was supposed to happen. You were supposed to have died to sin, died to self, died to the ways of Satan, died to the ways of this world so that you may be alive in Christ Jesus. So if you truly die to sin, how can you live any longer in sin? You know, you have people that will have this question. They will say things like, how much can I do <laughs> and still make heaven my home? <laughs> How much can I get away with? <laughs> how, how close can I get to that line and still make heaven my home? Wrong approach. <laughs> Wrong approach. And if that is your approach to life, if that is your approach to God, if that is your approach to sin, how much can I get away with? How close to the line can I get? It could be an indication that you truly haven't died to sin. You, know, you, you truly haven't died to sin. Now, please don't get me wrong. We all will forever in our lifetime, while we still in the, live in these sinful bodies, we will all desire sin. Okay, Your pastor still desires sin. Your pastor still has temptations. Why? Because there are two realities in me, just like there are two realities in you now. You have a sinful nature, you have a fallen nature, you have a fleshly nature, but you also now, because you've given your life to Christ, have a spiritual nature from God. And there is this now tug of war going on in your heart. That's one of the ways you know that you're saved because there's this struggle in you, there's this tug of war in you. If there is no struggle, it could be an indication you're not really saved. But the struggle lets you know there is something different in you. There's something that has changed about you because now I want to do this, but I also want to do that. 
And now I'm in the middle of this battle, this tug of war that is inside me. But if your approach to life and to God and to sin is how much can I get away with? It could be an indication you really haven't died to sin. You may have gotten religious. You may have gotten, quote unquote, spiritual. You may started uh, going to church more often than you did before. You may decided to read your Bible and pray more in 2020. But that doesn't mean you actually died to sin. The ones who have truly died to sin try to figure out how they can sin less, not more. Okay, we don't become sinless when we give our lives to Christ. But we ought to sin less when we come to Christ. (laughs) There's a difference. We do not become sinless when we give our lives to Christ. But we ought to sin less when we get like, why? Because we're going in a new direction now. We were going in this direction toward Satan and sin and the ways of this world. But now we have repented. We have turned. We have changed direction. Now we're going to Christ the cross in his kingdom. Yes, we may fall. Yes, we may stumble. But we get back up and we keep going. We sin less even though we don't become sinless. So if that is your attitude toward life, sin, and God, it could be an indication you haven't die to sin yet because Paul says how in the world if you have truly died to sin can you live any longer in sin so why is that because death as we always said means separation that's what death is that's what death does death always separates and that's what death means it means separation so we can either be dead in our sin and therefore separated from God or we can be dead to sin and separated from sin. Either way, death happens. (laughs) Either way, death occurs. God says your sins have separated you from me. Why? Because you were dead in your sins and your trespasses. So either we can be dead in our sin and therefore separated from God, or we can be dead to sin and therefore separated from sin. Death is the agent that releases you from what you are bound to. Anything you are bound to, once you die, you are free from. (laughs) If you go one chapter over to Romans 7, Paul is going to give you an example of this, a good analogy of this. He first says in verse 1 of Romans 7, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as that man lives. As long as that man or woman is alive, the law has dominion over them. But once that man or woman dies, the law no longer has any effect over them. We are obligated by law to pay taxes, but you are free from that obligation when? When you die. (laughs) No, nobody dead is paying taxes anymore. We are obligated by law to serve on jury duty, right, if we are served. When are we free from that obligation? When we die. (laughs) When you die, you are saved and set free from any obligation of the law. So now he's going to give you a practical example of this. 
In verse 2 it says, For the woman who has a husband who is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Paul says, let me give you an example here. Let's say this woman is married to a tyrant of a husband. This is a horrible, horrible man to be married to. He abuses her. He talks about her. He mistreats her. He neglects her. He is horrible to her. And she tries to escape from this horrible husband. And anything she does, she can't get away. She tries to divorce him. He won't give her a divorce. She tries to leave him, but he'll find her wherever she is, and he makes life miserable for her. And all she can do is hope and pray for death. (laughs) That's all she can do. All she can do is hope and pray for death. Now, whether it's her own death so she can be free from this man, (laughs) but more likely she is hoping for his death, right? So she can go ahead and enjoy her freedom. (laughs) But either way, she is hoping for death because she has concluded in her heart, death is the only way I can be free. Death is the only way I can escape this. The law won't help me out. Running from him won't help me out. The only thing I can hope for is that he die so I can be free from him and I can marry somebody else. Now, again, ladies especially, please don't get me wrong. (laughs) I am not advocating that you take your husband out so you can be free, okay? I'm not doing that. You're going to end up on a show snapped, okay? (laughs) That that too is illegal. You may be saved and set free from him, but now you're bound in prison. You don't want that either, okay? That is not what we're saying here. But you understand through this analogy that Paul gives If he dies or if she dies, she will be free from this marriage. If he dies or she dies, she will be free from this obligation that she has toward this man. Now, you may say, well, what's the point if she dies? (laughs) What's the point if she dies? I mean, if she's dead, what's the point of that? She can't enjoy the freedom that she now has. Yes, she is free from this obligation. She is free from this tyrant of a man, but she's dead. (laughs) She can't now enjoy her freedom that has come from her death. But what if you could die to be free, but then come back again to live free? In other words, what if you were able to die to be set free, but then be able to come back so you may enjoy that freedom. What if that was a possibility? Let's say that an FBI agent came to this woman and said, look, I know you've tried to divorce this man. He won't give you divorce. I know you've tried to leave this man. He follows you wherever you are. He finds you out, and he starts it all over again. I know that, but would you be willing to die to be set free? Would you be willing to die to be set free? And she said, well, what do you mean would I be willing to die? What what sense does that make? She said, well, we have some great makeup artists at the beat, okay? We got some great makeup artists, and what we will do is we will make it look like you've been murdered. 
We will make it look like somebody shot you in the head. And so we'll put a wound on your head. We'll put blood coming out of your mouth. We'll put the makeup on you. We'll take pictures and we'll send it to your husband to where he will think that you died. We'll even get some prosthetics and a dummy and put it in a coffin and a casket. We'll hold a funeral for you. We'll open it up so he'll come and he will see, yep, she's dead. (laughs) And to him, you will have died. To him, you would have been no more. So you will be saved and set free from this tyrant of a man. And then after that, we will give you a new identity. We will give you a new name. We'll give you a new look. We'll put you in protective services. We'll we'll do whatever we have to do so you can start again. You can start fresh. You can start new with a brand new identity. Why? Because you were willing to die. But you got to be willing to die. (laughs) Or the only way this is going to work is you were willing to die. (laughs) Are you willing to die so you can be saved and set free? And be able to live to enjoy the freedom that you now have. Are you willing to do that? And this is what God is offering you and I through spiritual baptism. (laughs) This same setup, this same scenario is what God offers you and I through spiritual baptism. In verse 4 of Romans 7, he continues this. Watch what he says. He says, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. Why? That you may be married or joined to another. To him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Everybody is born married to the God of this world, Satan. Okay? We all married or are born into sin, the Bible says, connected to this tyrant of a being called Satan. And God is saying the only way that you can be released from being joined to him is that you die. You can't be joined to both of us. Okay, That's called adultery. And God will have no part in adultery. So God says, if you want to be married to him and stay married to him, fine. But don't look to be joined to me. (laughs) I don't don't swing, okay? (laughs) I I don't have sister wives. I don't do that. (laughs) You want to stay married to him? Fine, stay married to him. But don't look to be joined to me. But if you want to be joined to me, you must be willing to die to him. And when you are willing to die to him, you are saved and set free from him so that you may now be joined to me. He says here in verse five, for when we were in the flesh, when we were in our sin, the sinful passions which were aroused in us by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Translation, you are a sinner that acted like one. (laughs) I was a sinner that acted like one. I did what I wanted. I did what felt good to me. I did what my my flesh wanted to do. Why? Because that's who I was. That's the only nature I had in me. (laughs) The only nature I had in me was a sinful, fallen nature. And so I bore fruits of that sinful, fallen nature. And so did you. (laughs) That's what he is reminding us of. But watch this. But verse 6. But now, everybody say now. Now. 
But now we have been delivered from the law. How? Having died to what we were held by. So that we should serve in the newness of the spirit. And not in the oldness of the letter. You're looking for a new year, new you? God just showed you how you can walk in a newness of life. In the newness of the spirit. And that is by being willing to die to the old. God is talking about spiritual baptism through this. Okay, He's not talking about a better you. He's not talking about a refurbished you. He's not talking about an improved you. He's talking about a brand new you. Okay, And the way you experience a brand new you is by spiritual baptism. What is spiritual baptism? Well, the word baptism simply means to be saturated in or engulfed in, okay? And it requires you to die. Die to self, die to sin, die to Satan, and to die to the ways of this world. When you are willing to do that to receive Christ, God calls that spiritual baptism. You are now put into Christ. So now if you go back to Romans 6, back to the chapter we started on, let's read it again and let's continue it. Now, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in sin? And here it is. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into his death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a newness of life. The way that we are able to die, to be free, Yet to live, to enjoy the freedom we have is by being baptized into Christ. Okay? By being baptized into Christ. So how is one baptized into Christ? Well, you find this phrase throughout the New Testament. In Christ. In Christ. Those in Christ, new creation. God says, uh, hope in you, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, Jesus said, I'm telling you these things so that in me you may have peace. You always find this phrase of Christ being in you or you being in Christ. He is talking about being baptized, okay? The way that we are baptized into Christ or placed into Christ is by believing in Christ, okay? And believing in, not believing that. You have a lot of people who believe that, but they don't believe in. They believe that there's a God, They believe that Jesus came to this world. They believe that Jesus died for all of our sins. They believe that Jesus died and rose again, but they do not believe in that. (laughs) It is simply facts that they believe in, but facts will not save you. Facts will not change you. The Bible says the demons believe all that. (laughs) The demons believe that there is a God. The demons believe that Jesus is Messiah. The demons believe that Jesus died for the sins of the world and rose again. They know that, but they are not saved. 
Why? Because it's not about believing that. It's about believing in. And the difference is you have put your hope, your trust, and your faith in what you now know. And not too many people have done that. They may believe that, but they don't believe in. God says when you believe in that which you now know, that is how you are placed in Christ. That is how you are baptized spiritually in Christ. Water baptism is not the way we are baptized into Christ. Let me say that again. Okay, Water baptism is not the way we are baptized into Christ. It is the way we are illustrating (laughs) that we've been baptized into Christ. Okay? No, the way you are baptized into Christ is by believing, by trusting, by taking the faith that God has given you and exercising that faith and saying, Lord, I repent or turn from my sin the way I was going. I now give you my life. I surrender my all to you. This is not any longer my life. It is now your life. Have your way. Do what you want. So this is why we don't baptize infants. We don't baptize small children. Why? Because they're not making that decision. They don't have the capacity to make that decision yet. We can make the decision to dedicate them to the Lord, which we do. But only the individual can make the decision to give their lives to Christ and then illustrate they've given their lives to Christ through water baptism. So water baptism is not the way you are baptized into Christ, but it is the way we being in Christ is illustrated. As we've said in times past, it is simply the illustration of transformation. Because you have been changed and transformed by the Spirit of God, you now simply want to illustrate that through water baptism. In Galatians 2.20, you don't have to turn there, but Paul said this, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, was Paul really physically, literally crucified with Christ? No. He didn't get saved until after Jesus Christ died and rose again and came back. So why would Paul say, I've been crucified with Christ? He tells you why. He says, it is no longer I who live. But it is Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The reason why Paul says I've been crucified with Christ is because Paul came to a place and a point in time in his life where he was willing to die. He came to the end of his life, the end of his rope, the end of his hope, and he said, I am willing to die. I'm willing to die to Satan. I'm willing to die to sin. I'm willing to die to the direction I'm in. I'm willing to die so that I may be alive in Christ. So therefore, he says, when Christ died, Paul died too. (laughs) Because now I've been placed in Christ. So when Christ was crucified, Paul was crucified too. Paul no longer lives. Paul is dead. Or I should say Saul is dead. I've got now a new name, Paul. I got a new identity now. Because Saul died on that road to Damascus. And we all should have a road to Damascus experience. We all should have a time, a point in our life where we come face to face with the risen Savior. 
and be willing to die that we may have a new name, a new identity in Christ Jesus. That is what Paul is saying. (laughs) My life is no longer mine. I've died to sin and therefore I'm alive in Christ. And all of that is illustrated through water baptism. You say, well, if water baptism doesn't save you, if water baptism isn't required for salvation to go to heaven, why do you do it? Because it simply illustrates what has already been done to you. If you have been spiritually baptized, we simply want to publicly profess and proclaim that by giving you a physical baptism. Water baptism is how we can have a death, a burial, and a resurrection all at the same time. (laughs) All at the same time. (laughs) That is how we can have a death, a burial, and a resurrection all at the same time. It's through water baptism. But that is only illustrating you already being baptized. You already had a death when you came to Christ. You were already buried or crucified with him when you were placed in Christ. And now you've already been resurrected, a brand new creation in Christ because of the power and the work of the cross of Christ. That has already happened and take place in the heavenlies. It is done. It is settled. There is no more to be done. You cannot add to what Jesus Christ did. It is done. It is finished, as he said. But we can now illustrate what has been done. We can illustrate, just like with that FBI, with that woman, we can illustrate your death. <laughs> we can put a bullet wound in your head. We can put blood coming out of, your, out of your mouth. We can even set up a funeral for you. We can go through the whole charade to illustrate what is truly taking place in you. That is why we water baptize, because it is an illustration of transformation. So what we do is we simply bring your casket up here. Now, when you die one day, and if, if I'm your pastor and you, these are your wishes, we will have your funeral here. <laughs> and what we will do is we will roll your casket, your dead body, up here in the front. <laughs> and we will give some kind words and, and give some scripture, and I'll, I'll preach my heart out, and, and we will rejoice that you're now in heaven. But we will have a service for you right here. <laughs> Why? Because you died. <laughs> But even though you die, the Bible says you live forevermore. (laughs) For to be absent from the body (laughs) is to be present with the Lord. So even though we are having a funeral for you, you will never be more alive than you will at that moment. (laughs) So we do the same thing here with water baptism. We we bring your casket out. (laughs) We put you in the casket. We bury you. And then we bring you up anew. We bring you up alive in Christ Jesus, a brand new creation in Christ. That is what we do because that is what has taken place in you. And let me say this, if that has not taken place in you already, don't expect water baptism to do it. Mm. If you haven't already been changed, (laughs) if you haven't already been transformed, If you haven't already been placed in Christ, don't expect this water to do anything but get you wet, okay? That is all this water is going to (laughs) do. All this water is going to do is get, isn't that what what, uh, John the Baptist told the Pharisees? He said, no, don't think just because you're going through this water baptism, that's going to make you right with God. He says, no, bear fruit worthy of repentance. 
In other words, illustrate that you have already been changed. Illustrate you already have a new heart. Bear fruit worthy that you have repented. Don't think just because you're going through water baptism, that's going to save you. That's going to make you righteous. It does not. It simply illustrates what has already taken place in you. Spiritual baptism comes first, then water baptism comes to illustrate it. And that is what we are wanting to do today. So let's finish Romans chapter 6. We'll close with a few thoughts and then we're going to see if there's anybody else here who's willing to go to the water. Romans 6, 5, he concludes by saying this, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, speaking of Jesus' death, then certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Why do we want to die? Because if there is no death, there is no resurrection. Some of us are trying to experience a resurrection, but we haven't yet died yet. (laughs) God said, I'm still waiting for you. God, why can't I see your power? Why can't I feel your presence? Why can't I see you working in my life? Why can't I experience your resurrection? He says, because you haven't died yet. That's why. You want to experience resurrection, that first requires death. (laughs) And until you are willing to die, you will never experience my resurrection. That is why we are willing to die. He says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. What is our vision here, believe church? Freedom. (laughs) Freedom. To bring you to a place where you are freed from the penalty of sin as well as the power of sin. And some of y'all have been saved and set free from the penalty of sin, but the power of sin is still controlling you. The power of sin is still holding you down. The power of sin is still beating you up. The power of sin is causing you to to bear unrighteous fruit and fruits of death. It still has a grip on you. But we want to see you saved and set free even from the power of sin as well as the penalty of sin. So he says this. Now, if we died with Christ, underline that word if. <laughs> okay? That means it's contingent. It is based on you dying. Okay? He says, now, if we died with Christ. So the question is, did you really die with Christ? Did you really die to sin? Or did you just get religious? Did you just feel bad because of what you got involved in? Did you just looking for a blessing or God to help you out or get you out of some trouble you got into? Was that the case or did you really die with Christ to sin? If you died, if I died, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Christ. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for everybody. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So he concludes by saying this, likewise, you also 
Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See yourself dead to sin. See yourself dying to sin, to the old man, to the old woman, to the old sinful fallen nature. See yourself in that way because you have truly died to sin. And if you have truly died to sin, that means sin has no, no longer has a hold on you, has, doesn't have a grip on you. The only thing sin can do now is what you allow it to do. <laughs> but it, it has no hold. You are no longer obligated to the sinful nature. You've been saved and set free from that sinful nature. Why? Because you've died to that sinful nature. And now you're alive in Christ Jesus. I remember growing up, there was a TV show. I don't think it was an Alfred Hitchcock show, but it was one like it, one of those eerie shows that they sometimes show, those little mind twister uh, shows. It was about this wealthy woman who committed a crime and she was sent to prison. She was sent to jail and she tried as best she could to get out of that jail, to get out of that prison. She tried to bribe her way out of it. That wouldn't work. She tried to escape. They just brought her back in. She tried to get out. Well, she was friends with one of the prison prisoners there who worked with uh, making the caskets for those who died in prison. This particular gentleman, he was old. He was uh, wore glasses, really couldn't see all that well. But he would get the coffins ready for any prisoner who died, and they would put the body of the prisoner in the coffin, and they would ship it out to the cemetery, and they would uh, bury the, the prisoner who had died there. Well, she had befriended this guy, and one day she came up with an idea. She said, look, I was hoping you can help me out. If you help me out, I promise you I'm a wealthy woman. When I get out of here, I'll help you out. He says, well, what do you want me to do? So, well, when they, a prisoner dies and they bring the body to you and you put it in a coffin, you prepare it, let me in there too. <laughs> let me come in there too. And so I'll get in there with, with the, I'll climb in the body and they'll close the casket and they'll put it in the truck and they'll ship it to the cemetery and they'll bury the coffin and me in it. And then later on, you just have to come and dig me back out and I'm free. It's like, wow. <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know if that's gonna work. <laughs> so trust me. It'll work. It'll work. Just, 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 just trust me, do it. And the old man said, okay, okay. I tell you what, the next time you hear that bell ring, because when you hear the bell ring, that means somebody died. So next time you hear that bell ring, you come into this room, you find the casket, you get in, and I'll try and help you out. So all right, we got a deal. So a few days, weeks goes by. Dong, dong, she hears the bell. That means a prisoner died. And so she goes into that room. She finds the casket. It's dark, so she just opens it up. She feels for a body. There's a body in there. So she climbs in. She closes it, and now all she has to do is wait. She feels them pick up the casket. She feels them put it in the truck. She's feeling the journey to the cemetery. She feels them lowering the casket in the ground. She feels the dirt on top of it. And so now she's just waiting. Oh, the plan is, is, is work, is work. So he's on his way. He's on his way. He's going to dig me up and get me out of here. She's waiting. She's waiting. She's waiting. She says, what's taking so long? It's almost, it's almost done. All he has to do is come get me out of here and, and we're, we're good. We're home free. But while she's waiting, she says, you know what? 
Let me see who's in this cast. Let me see who died. <laughs> Takes out a lighter. <laughs> it lights up. It's the old man who's in the casket. <laughs> I don't know who you're depending on for your eternity. <laughs> I don't know who you're trusting in to get you out of the mess you're in. <laughs> I don't know who you're looking to to make you free, but if it is not Jesus Christ, you can find yourself in a whole world of hurt, knowing that it is only by him that you're able to be saved and set free from the sin that you're in. Only God has the power to save you and to set you free from the penalty and power of sin, death, hell, and the grave. Put your trust and your hope in no one else but him. Not in yourself. You're not good enough. You can't do it. Not in your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, the president. Don't put your hope in any other man. Put your hope in the God man, Jesus Christ, and he will see you through. Can you say amen? Give the Lord a hand of praise if you will. Praise him.